0: Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. Here are on this Sunday morning here in Starkville, Mississippi, right here in the heart of downtown, overlooking the Starkville Cafe. Nice little line out there this morning, Charlie.
1: How are you feeling today? Do we talk about baseball now? Don't I think, we just talk about basketball on the show.
0: Well, I think we have to talk
1: about. What's fall camp open? Uh, we're going to have. Do you a, feel like Will Rogers really is our number one quarterback? Let, let's get back to the good old topics, right? We
0: add a couple of sessions of summer camp. The field will be ready. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, so listen, I've I've got a, I've never been a big pet guy. I, I just haven't. We always had dogs growing up, and they were all out outside dogs and labs and things of that nature. When you grow up in the country, and of you course, know what that makes
1: you? What's that? A bad person. But go on.
0: No, it's okay. Uh, but they live a great life, better life than I do. But so since we have moved back and we're in the studios this morning here in Startwell, I got up early this morning and I've got a dog that I absolutely adore. I love this guy. He's about seven years old and he's half Wamariner, half lab. He's a big dog. Big old. and his name is Bo and I did not name him after Bo Hempil. Big brown lab. And Bo's the type of guy, if somebody drives up and he doesn't know, he looks like he can absolutely get after you. But he's just he's got a heart of gold. He's awesome. Great with kids. This morning, as I got up, I walked outside, I pull out my phone, and I'm starting to watch the eighth and the ninth inning yesterday because I just wanted to see for myself. Bo walked away from me. Bo says, I don't think I've ever heard you talk like this before. (laughs) And Bo walked away from me this morning. Um So, we are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starwell. Farm Bureau. Go with a home team at Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau with agents all across the state of Mississippi. Great customer service. And, of course, Sunday coffee brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee. I drank some Strange Brew pods this morning. I didn't make the the big cup. I, I walk in the studio, and Charlie's got the tall boy over here, so I guess you went to the original location this morning, Spring Street, Highway 12? I did. I, uh... I uh, I was contemplating going to the uh, University Drive location on my way in this morning, but we have to broadcast the game today. And having multiple cups of coffee, after watching what I watched last night, I would be asking you to not let me say a lot of things on the air today if I had multiple cups of coffee. That's my original thought and the reason I'm not drinking the coffee right now. All right, let's look back at last night. Oh, let's not. I had numerous texts from people who are, like, mild-mannered. We're talking about, man, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about the umpires. Um, Mark Winters last night, um, I think what he was uh, having a difficult time with was consistency. I think the track man will not be favorable to to his cause last night. I think – he uh, he had a wide zone at times, both from uh, our standpoint, up to Aaron Downs in the eighth inning. Oh, my God, goodness. I mean, that ball was over his hands. Um, and then in the top of the ninth inning, Judd Fabian had a pitch that was about six inches off the plate, was a slider. But here's the thing, Charlie. When, we, when you start talking about from a pitching standpoint, from a hitting standpoint, I'm trying to figure out what is a strike. And – you had a couple times in the ninth inning of that game last night where Casey Hunt thought he had a strike and because that had been called a strike all night long, and he didn't get those calls. And so I think the big double that went over Cumbas' head, and Brad did take a, a tough angle on it out in left field. It was a line drive right at him. That's a tough play, slicing away. But it got the 2-0 to set up that count because of two pitches that had been strikes all night long. We're no longer strikes. And now I'll sit, sit here and say this. You know, hey, umpiring is hard. It's tough at this level. It's really – it ain't that bad, right? I mean, it's tough, but these guys have been doing it for a long time. And I would say, man, some of these guys are great guys. Or, you know, they sometimes you make mistakes. But after seeing the video of Mark Winters going after Kurt Sarloos in the dugout against TCU in West Virginia, I don't know if we're dealing with a good guy here either. I'm just saying this. Last night was bad. For both teams. And as a league, I don't know if we need to t- – if, if we got all the money in the world like we say we do, maybe we're the league to test out the robots behind home plate. Maybe we are the people that step out there and say, all right, th- this is." if we're going to use track, man, let's use it live. Um, because this league is too good to every single week we're talking about this. And this is not a Mississippi State order. Now, I'll say all that to say this. We had ample opportunities last night. In the fifth, the sixth, the seventh inning, we had runners at first and second, nobody out, and we scored one run in those three innings. So I think you can't sit here this morning and blame umpiring when you had – now, it's a part of it, but you can't fully blame umpiring when you had ample opportunities.
1: Oh, I certainly can blame umpiring if I choose to, and I'm about to choose to. No. I'm not blaming them on losing the game. Here's what I'm frustrated about. Little things matter. How many times have you told me? Now, I'm going to use your words here, Bart. Sequential. Baseball is sequential. And you can say, look, we got beat 9-3. to three. A couple of bad calls didn't force that. Well, when the bad call sets in motion, everything that follows.
0: I'm clarifying. I'm saying that's not the only reason we got beat last night.
1: Okay. Well, um... Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, we had our chances, but it is a reason. It's a factor, and, and I want to comment on it. Number one, you may recall, this is the umpire. Remember the TCU coach, Kirk Sarlouis, getting into the altercation with the umpire? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I this mean, is
0: that guy. This is that guy.
1: He went after getting. him. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a, this is the call Hess of umpiring. Yeah, he's not good. And you go back, and you look at this guy, and you look at his record. He came up through the minor leagues. I mean, this is a guy who couldn't make the show, and he's better about it. I mean, let's just call it what it is. This is a guy who ended up umpiring in Taiwan and world games and all this kind of stuff. And it says a lot about college baseball that this is the kind of guy we send to the College World Series a few years ago. But he's just – he look, I get it. I'm not saying they're biased. i am That's not what I'm saying. This isn't like me when I go watch an Alabama football game and I say – Boy, Nick Saban gets a lot of calls. I'm saying the umpiring was bad both ways. Some perhaps more than others at times. But, you know, I thought Downs, for example, I thought he got hosed on several calls. And you say, well, he still had another swing. Yeah, he did. But there's a big old difference in a 1-1 count and 0-2 count. And you find yourself in those spots a couple of times. There's a big old difference of when you throw a strike and you don't get the call, what, what do you have to do then? you got to throw a pitch that's a more hittable pitch,
0: right? And that's what happened in the ninth inning. You throw back-to-back sliders. You try to backdoor to a left-handed hitter. You know, you just had, you know, Ryapel yelling at the dugout, and that's another thing I want to talk about. And so you've got all emotions high right now, and then you come back to the next guy, you go slider down and away, slider down and away, that both of those balls have been called strikes all night. Both of those pitches have been called strikes all night long. And then you don't get the calls, and then I got to groove a fastball, and there's your double that gives you a, gives Florida a lead. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is all sequential, and that that's what that's what was frustrating about last night is is it was just everything tightened up late after you'd had a big zone all night long, and it wasn't just a big zone; it was just an inconsistent strike zone. Some guys, and it was almost like the point of some it's some people love the fire and the fury. And and we don't talk wrestling for multiple reasons. But it's almost like that guy who loves to be behind the plate that loves just to aggravate and I hate to say piss off the crowd. I'm gonna relish in the moment of getting booed. You know what I'm saying? It was almost like he he relished he was the,
1: the iron cheek. Right? He
0: he wanted he wanted the emphasis on him in a negative way last night. That's what it seemed like to me. Late. Like.
1: Yeah. What's the Twitter account? You know, welcome to the ump show. You know, where we think it's all about him, and we've seen a few things in Major League Baseball this week too. I suppose it doesn't bear too much more discussion, except to say this: the SEC tells us that they are doing evaluations that they're taking the track man data, and we've talked about this before for those who don't know, but the track man is basically the system that can tell you anything you want to know, launch angle, exit velocity, fastball speed, whatever, but it can tell you whether it's a ball or a strike. And they're taking that data, and they're supposedly going to review it with these people. They're not going to let it out for public consumption, I can tell you that. I'll just say this, if your kid came home with a grade on a test the same as the grade he's going to get, you wouldn't be happy. Your kid would miss a few weekends of play and be sitting inside studying this summer. And so it's just got to get better. It's got to get better. And then the other thing, and this is the thing that just drives me nuts. It's one thing to be bad. It is another thing to lose control of the ball game. And in this world that we're in in baseball now where guys want to talk more and flip your bat more, Number one, you have to maintain control of the game. When you're bad behind the plate, it leads to a loss of control. But the other thing is, at some point, as an umpire, I get it. You know, we all kind of say, you know, don't get on them for flipping a bat. If a guy's running his mouth all the way down to first base, can't you just – can't, as an umpire, you step in and say, listen – Young player, fine young man, I'm sure you are shut the shut up and get on down to first
0: well i will have to give Luke Hancock some credit. Luke Hancock showed restraint last night when that cat got down to first base now I think the the first base umpire had to get in between them, but um it's you know little uh little Nanaoy and me would would have been a little different, you know what I'm saying i mean and and that's and that's not a good thing um. But here's the thing is I can't really you know Rypel – here's here's what happened in the, in the ninth inning last night and you know Ripel who's had a good weekend who's been a pretty good ball player I mean he's batting 314 I mean he's not like he's you know setting the world on fire for a season but he had a really good night Friday night and hit a home run went four for four I mean he had a good night last night he goes one for three and on a walk last night in the ninth inning takes a pitch down and end and then looks at you know, at, at Logan Tanner and then looks at our dugout has a bunch of things to say, even to the point of, and I don't, hey, let me tell you this. I've been around this a lot, Charlie. I can't remember a guy on a walk that a home plate umpire had to stop play and walk down to pretty much tell the guy to shut up. Now I can't put all the blame on Ryan
1: Pell. And here's the reason I can't. Cause you don't know what was being said to him.
0: Well, I don't know what was being said to him. That's one, but two, this has been a staple of the Florida and Kevin O'Sullivan program since he came from Clemson as the head coach. Okay. I think we probably run our miles too. Right. And I think that's where we've gotten in the world. And I was, you know, I'm this, I try not to be this get off my lawn guy on the bat flips and things. We've talked about this. I'm not a big fan of the bat flip, but then you look at the, the college, the, the baseball, the NCAA baseball Twitter account and they're just glorified. Hey, look at this bat flip. You know, and you're like, oh, come on guys. Uh, they did that with Robert Moore the other night. But, um, man, you know, um, that's kind of where we are right now. You know, I think we run our mouths a little bit. Here's what I would have liked to have seen last night, and hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is always 2020. 20 Casey Hunt was frustrated. Casey Hunt had gotten mad. Rypel had gone down. He had engaged him. And then all of a sudden you come back 2-0. Logan Tanner's not happy with the umpire it's almost a situation of somebody's got to go out to the mound. Somebody's got to settle things down.
1: Oh, I thought maybe you are going to say somebody's got to hit him, and then after you hit him, you know, pick over to first base about six straight times throw it the you hit the ground. Yeah, throw it in you the know, dirt. <laughs> throw it at the him. And he's diving the in. Keep no, diving no, no, back no, no, in. no. No, I thought last night was
0: one of those nights where you got to go out to KC. Whether it's your catcher, whether it's somebody from the dugout, somebody's got to go out there and just kind of say, okay, guys, hey, listen we got to settle this down because it looked like emotionally we let it get away from us.
1: Well, and the other thing about going out to the mound right there is I think that's one of the places you can actually talk to the umpire. And I think you go out to the mound, you stand there till he comes out. And and on the way out, you know, he's going to have to hear a good bit of, look, it's not your fault this moron behind the plate can't call balls and strikes. It's not your fault that, uh, <laughs> that this guy's lost complete control of the ballgame. Oh, I'm sorry, is it time to break it up? I'm sorry, I was just talking to my pitcher here about the disastrous performance of some people here in the ballpark. Well, it goes back to the old thought. We were in Arizona
0: 2005. Russ McNichol had just gotten run out of a game because Brett Cleveland threw a 3-2 fastball right down the pipe with the bases loaded. and It was just like Jay Powell in 92 down at uh, Florida State, and the guy caught in the ball. Russ McNichol got tossed out, and they had a gate right by the dugout, but Russ went all the way down to the left field bullpen and walking backwards and voicing his displeasure. Coach Polk goes out to the mound, and I will not say all the words that were said right here. Coach Polk never cussed an umpire, by the way. And so it was one of those deals If he had his back to the umpire, and he kept on looking at, at, at Brett Cleveland saying, all right, let me know when he gets close. Let me know when he gets close. Let me know when it gets close. All right, Coach, he's here. Hey, Brett, what do you think about the umpire? That's, you know, and, I, and then, then it's all of a sudden like, hey, you shut your mouth. No, you don't talk to my player like that. I'm having a conversation. You know, it's one of those deals. That's so Anyway. I like that. Yeah, one of those. And it, Brett ended up, like, not getting tossed because Coach Paul looked at the guy and says, I'll take the left-hander. And that's the only thing that kept Brett from getting tossed. So, anyway. All right,
1: so, where do we go? Um. Number one, let's go ahead and accept this. This is not an NCAA tournament team. We're not going to the NCAA tournament, barring a complete miracle. We wake up today with the lowest RPI in college baseball. Scratch that. In the SEC. Okay? But it feels like college baseball. Yeah, as you'll say, boy, you talk about it being negative. We're not that bad. <laughs> well, we had the lowest harpy eye. Those guys up in, in St. Peter's saying, hey, ho, ho, baby, ho, ho. In Princeton all of a sudden. Unfortunately, some of the teams we've played this year may be in the running for that. But if you go and you do the predicted conference record right now, it has Missouri, South Carolina, and Mississippi State finishing last in the league in, at 10 and 20. Basically what they're doing is saying we have one – more win than us out of our last seven conference games. Well, I don't know that that's going to be right, but you'd be hard-pressed to go out to Vegas and find good odds on getting three.
0: Yeah, uh, by the way, Alcorn State is the worst RPI team in the country. They're 301. Arkansas Pine Bluff, we saw earlier this year, is 300. Valley, 299, anyway. Uh, Yeah, Charlie, you know, know, thinking back to – What we talked about getting to, you know, fourteen wins in the league. That means you got to go five and two the rest of the way. You got to win today, and then you got to take at least two out of three the next two weekends. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you're going to Texas A&M, who has been a very good offensive team as of late. They got betters a year as going on, and then you've got Tennessee and Tennessee lost two out of three this weekend. That may be a bad thing because they may not be just coasting here at the end of the year. Uh, they may come in here with a little little fight and vinegar.
1: Um, and then you look around the league and you say, all right, right where do you sit right now? There are three teams sitting at nine wins, actually four. Kentucky, South Carolina, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Now, Kentucky's played one more game, say, at the Thursday start this week. Then you got Missouri with seven. And you would like to say, well, Missouri's in the rearview mirror. Well, they're really not. Their schedule is a little bit easier on the way in. I think they've got South Carolina and Auburn. Um, A lot's got to go right for us if we're even going to make the SEC tournament right now. Excuse me. I had that backwards. Missouri has Florida and Georgia. So, eh, you know.
0: I mean, they could lose – at the end of the day, we lost two out of three. If we end up tied with Missouri, and I don't want – you know, we don't want to go into tiebreakers this morning. We lost two out of three to a bad team last weekend that hurt us bad. We've lost two out of three this weekend to a team that's not very good either. And so, I say two out of three. I mean, we've got to win today to, to get two out of three.
1: All right, so if we accept that this is not a regional team, it's not clear that it is a Hoover team. Then the question becomes, how do you coach it from here? Do you try to see more Aaron Downs, for example? Do you try to see more young guys? Or do you just say, you know what, we're going to kind of stay loyal to what we've been doing. We're going to put our best team out there, and we're just going to keep fighting. But then you ask yourself, well, what is your best team? We don't really know. I mean, we have not, even to this point, figured out who our center fielder is
0: all year long. Which is amazing. Center fielder. You know, we we and we talked about this. Where do you want to be good? You know, where do you where do where do coaches say you want to be good? Up the middle, catcher, shortstop, second base, center field, and and not having a center fielder. And I go back to the point. I mean, we're a top ten program. I mean, when you start talking about people around the country, who who do you think of college baseball? We're going to be one of the top ten people. People say this is a, essentially like Ohio State in football not having a right tackle, and we don't have a center fielder. Um, so th- Friday night, we lost eight to six because we got down early and Charlie, you know, that's the thing. He said, we can go back and look at these games and give you all the stats. We had 11 hits in that game on Friday. All 11 hits were singles. We did fight and come back. And I, I listened to Chris Lamonis last night in the post game and, you know, Chris said all the right things. And And I think you could tell in his voice, you could see the way he coached last night, um, I mean, these guys get it. They understand how big these games are. Um, I think the players understand how big these games are. It doesn't take me and you walking in here this morning talking about how big these games are. I think these guys know that. Um, I think this was a team that kind of put some pressures on itself early in the year, and we saw those pressures kind of, you know, metastasize a little bit and – you saw some guys that really never got in their comfort zone. Now I will say this: I think Forsythe has gotten a little bit of a comfort zone at the shortstop. And he's hitting two eighty three. He's hitting two eighty three. Think about that. He was hitting two ninety five one time the other night. He came to the plate and on the board it had two ninety five. And I looked at the buddy of mine and I said, "Let me tell you something. If you had told me two months ago that Lane Forsythe sitting right here knocking on the door at three hundred, hey, I am proud of that." So, you know, I, I guess, you know, we'll come back in a couple of weeks. I don't think this this is the time and a place to start sitting here saying, okay, where do you go from here? What's the post-mortem show? Um, about where do you recruit? Where do you try to, to fill the gaps to get better? And why you're here? Why why are you one of the teams? But this is not, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm trying not to say this in the, where it sounds like it's positive. Uh, this is not unprecedented. You know, UCLA did not make the tournament in 2014. Coastal Carolina did not make the tournament in 2017. There was one more team in there. There was three teams in the past 10 years that have not made the NCAA tournament after winning a national championship.
1: So, um, well, you go back right now. Vanderbilt's not where they want to be. We're not where we want to be. We've obviously had some significant injury issues. He goes back to the playing longer. And then guys going doing summer stuff, does that have a negative impact on you the next year? I don't know. I think I will say this, though. There there are a couple of solutions. Number one, we've got some good signees. you got to have some luck and get them to campus. you got to have some of those guys get here. Number two, got to hit the portal, man, and you got to hit the portal for big old arms.
0: Well, so that's what I was about to, to think about, Charlie. You know, Arkansas – you think about the teams that have, that recruit like we do, okay? Teams that quote-unquote recruit nationally. Or, you know, we don't recruit really recruit a lot nationally, but we recruit a really good player, supposedly. We do. But you look at us, you look at Arkansas, you look at LSU, you look at Florida. Okay, let's think about Florida. Um, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, things that, you know, okay. And – What's the, what's the common denominator this year? All these teams are not as good as they have been in the past. I don't think you can say Arkansas is as good this year as they've been in the past. So, you, okay, let me ask you this question. You start thinking about the I'm, – I'm, I'm about to throw some excuses at you. You think about the COVID issues. You think of not being able to see players. And it's almost like all these teams that recruit at the highest levels – are kind of taking a step back this year because they haven't been able to get, get out and see as many guys or wasn't. Okay, so then you ask yourself the question, well, how, how's Tennessee doing it? Tennessee's almost recruited in the present. You know what I'm saying? They've gone after the portal. They've done they've pushed the envelope. They've been more aggressive from a style of, you know, going and getting guys for the for the here and now instead of projecting and you know the the ninth graders, the tenth graders, and things of that nature—they're—they're they're working for right now. You look at all the transfers they've gotten, and you kind of wonder: is that is that the mode of operation going forward in
1: the future? Do we become more Lane Kiffin? Do you be, and, do you become more,
0: do you become more the portal than than you are of coming in and building?
1: Well, and you think about where we are as a program we should be able to absolutely murder the portal if we choose to. Now, at the same time, you don't want to block the path of your good signees, right? No. If if you get these guys who are really on the edge of being first round, second round guys, you you don't bring somebody in to to block their path, right? No. Um, but then you got to be pretty candid in your assessments with where you think you are. And I, I'm going to pick a position not to be controversial, Um Shortstop, You got your shortstop next year, okay? So I'm going to use that as an example. If that place were empty, that's one thing, you know. Go get somebody. Uh, On the other hand, you know, if you got somebody that you've signed, if you've signed a top shortstop, don't go block their path, right, just by bringing somebody in for a year or two. But I think you've got to be pretty honest in your assessment, not just of the guys you're recruiting, but the guys you have. And the guys you have coming in, do you think they're going to get here? And do you think they're really the guy? It's it's a weird deal, right? Because you got to continually evaluate the guys you have.
0: Yeah. Um. Hey, we uh, I saw Chris Weems last night. Tracks Plus, Tracks Plus. We we had our Tracks Plus deep dig in the on Friday. We talked about what we thought could happen this weekend. Um, my guy that I picked, Judd Fabian, said we can't let him in. He really hadn't beat us. Um, you talked about Langford. Lankford's been good at the top of that order for Florida. But uh, Tracks Plus with four locations. They keep on building out. Man, they just got a massive facility now down in Hickory at the Hickory exit on Highway 20. And then here in Startville, Columbus, between Startville, Columbus on Highway 82. Alexandria, Louisiana, then Summit, Mississippi. And so just great team. They continue to grow. They're about to have some more places they're going to come throughout the Southeast and some more locations. And so this... Uh, just blowing and going right now. There's a small company that has gotten bigger because of their customer service and the way that they treat people, and so it's uh, Tracks Plus and uh, those guys with Sanie equipment with the excavators and mini excavators, Barco for the foresters out there, and then the Massey Ferguson with the tractors. If you're looking for tractors, implements, and things of that nature, and so our good friends at Tracks Plus. All right, Charlie, going to today yeah Florida has used a lot of their bullpen the first two games,
1: so have we. Yes, we have think about this, I made this comment. One of the things that we worried about going into that last ball game against Missouri was the fact that you hadn't used Pico, that you hasn't hadn't used Jackson Fristo, and you have that none of those guys have pitched a meaningful inning, and now here you are at the end fast forward. We've used Casey Hunt. We've used Pico. We've used Jackson Fristow. Yeah. Um,
0: we used Fristo on Friday. Maybe he could come back some today. Went two innings. Yeah,
1: he did. Man, but the point of it is, we haven't held back bullets. We played every game to win it. Yeah, we, we just hadn't. Well, and then you go back. Let's talk for a second about Friday. You know. Brandon Smith, to be effective, has to have arm side run. He's got to have some sink. And he's got to have a ball off the plate.
0: Yeah. Uh, had a t-
1: he had a tight zone Friday. And that is just for Brandon Smith, a tight zone is kryptonite. Um, but he, he just seemed to be flat. And you, you kind of wonder, you know, we, we have this tendency sometimes, I think, early in ball games to kind of let a guy want to pitch through it and understand that. Um, but at the same time, four runs, whatever it is in the second or third, is the, that's just as bad as giving them up in the eighth in the end, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we we kind of got through a leverage point there in a hurry before we kind of threw up the SOS, I thought.
0: Then the positive, I guess, for Brandon is he was able to throw, you know, a few more innings and, and settle down a little bit. And so he did eat some bull, eat, eat some innings. Later on, but I get to what you're saying there. We came back and had a chance, you know, and we had, uh, you know, had the tying runs on tie runs in scoring position in the eighth inning. Really didn't have some good at bats late in that game, and
1: and then go to yesterday. I think you might have made this point early, but I know we spent some time talking about the umpiring and how that cost us. But let's go back to the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. Yeah, where you have two men on. Nobody out in each inning, and you get one run out of the process. And what was the
0: seventh inning? What did we have, like three hits and two walks? It's, I think maybe – and a hit by pitch. Three hits, two walks, and a hit batsman in the seventh inning. And, and you we score, got
1: one run. You score one run. That's hard to do, to be honest with you. And we talked about this so much last year in terms of what made that team special. They moved guys with outs. They said so they had productive outs. They got runners home from third. They advanced runners. For whatever reason, this year, it's just not happening. And um, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of feel like you're to the point now where it's a little, little bit late. I was wrong in the seventh, by the way. So it was a double, two singles, two walks, and you got one run out of it.
0: So no hit batsman. No hit either. batsman. Okay, but it's still. The f- hit
1: batsman came in the sixth. Okay.
0: But the, but you still had five bases at least. You had, you had three hits and two two walks and got one run out of it. All right, Charlie, so we'll be back at it today. And uh, we've got the broadcast today. Uh, Tom Hart tweeted me this morning and said, hey, he left everything in the booth. You know, he didn't walk away with anything, which is good. It was good to see those guys being able to broadcast here. And uh, you know, Tom and, and Kyle, and, and uh, I like Kyle Peterson a lot. And so um, – they didn't have a whole lot of positive that they could really you know talk about <laughs> about our team on Friday,
1: other than the ballpark. Uh, hey, I will say this by the way, I thought our crowds. You know, I complained about the crowds a little bit early in the year. I thought our crowds been into the ball game. They were into it, yeah, absolutely. They uh, sure were. Both nights we had good weather. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe we're just not a cold weather fan base.
0: Man, let me tell you this. Last night I got cool. I got
1: cool out there last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. It got going. Now,
0: let me ask you this. Here's something we need to think about for the future. And, you know, there are some programs out there, even if they play a plus game on Saturday, they're playing at night. We play Friday night, and then we came back Saturday, and we normally play, you know, 6.30 on Friday. We come back and play a 2 o'clock on Saturday, sometimes a 3 o'clock on Saturday, and then we always play the 1 o'clock Sunday games. After what you've seen, you know LSU normally likes to play a Saturday night game. Uh, Ole Miss has gotten to where they like to play Saturday night games. Arkansas has gotten to where they play Saturday night games, and so you kind of you, you think about it a little bit. I mean, is this moving forward a good thing of maybe playing a six thirty Friday night, a six o'clock, a six on Saturday? And then coming back and playing the one o'clock on Sunday? Is that something looking at going forward? Because I think the stadium is a lot more lively at night than it is during the day.
1: I like it for another reason. It just as a a local person. It doesn't take up my whole day. If you play at two o'clock, you're kinda of, about noon, you're kinda of committed. And then by the time you get out, you know, you're done at six and you're kinda of tired and you know, you know, it kind of saves my whole day. Well, I saw a couple guys last
0: night that made me think about something different. In today's world of travel baseball and soccer and things of that nature, I saw a couple people last night who played travel baseball earlier than the day, in the day and were able to get there. That's pretty cool. And so you take away those people, and so they were able to get there for the game last night. And so, anyway, that's something else to think about. Hey, thanks to our great uh, fine sponsors, of course our friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. And, of course, Strange Brew Coffee, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. You can order the pods. I've got some of those down at at Nettaway. I've got the, uh, the, the ship, just the bags of coffee to you. Of course, the cups, and the mugs, and things of that nature—they do a great job at Strange Brew Coffee House. They're a great integral part of this community. Two locations here in Startwell on University Drive, and then on Spring Street and Highway 12. Colstone Creamery as well there. And so, hey, today—a little hot afternoon, maybe a good day for some cold ice cream. And then uh, in Tupelo as well, the Brupolo, And so, three locations for Strange Brew Coffee. We talked about Tracks Plus with the four locations that they have, and Tracks Plus continuing to grow. Uh, just a great equipment supplier. And then our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. All right, Charlie, we got the broadcast today. We've only got like four left. We got one today. We've got the Tuesday night game in a couple weeks against North Alabama. Are we making any hay with this about being able to broadcast in the outfield? Have we heard anything? Yes,
1: we're moving. We're
0: moving? We, we have are. momentum. Good. And I saw on Twitter the other day, that uh, one of the Tennessee games has been picked up for TV that's a Thursday Friday Saturday series I'm not sure exactly which one man if we didn't have Twitter we'd be in bad shape because that's how we get our news but I'm not sure one of those games but we've only got four broadcasts left we got this afternoon at one o'clock hey I feel better about after talking about it
1: now we no, get, you don't no I don't that's, I really you I'm just trying to be a positive note leaving just call it what it is
0: friend to friend right here this is friend to friend this is not You know, this is not counterpart to counterpart. This is friend to friend. You've known me for a long time. I need you to hit my cough button if you see me getting a little strained today because I'm trying not to walk into the booth on a high wire, okay? I'm just trying not to. Friend to friend, I need your help today on the broadcast.
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: All right, hey, enjoyed it as always. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee here in downtown Starwell Game at 1 o'clock today. Mississippi State trying to salvage a game from the Florida Gators. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys listening to Sunday Coffee.